1: What a
3: song, what a song. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sodder Show. I'm Rory Soder, your host. It is great to be back with all of you. I have missed you all since last night. We had a fantastic show last night. Unbelievable guests, amazing, pl- amazing flow, perfect rhythm, everything you could want in a show. I mean, it's fantastic dialogue. We resonate so well with one another, and we never, we never run out of things to talk about. I mean, the show just keeps getting better and better. And uh, you know, we're listened to in 25 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or any 24/7 news coverage, visit my media site, The Next NEX. Gen G E N U S A dot com. Also remember, uh, in about two months we will we will be releasing the brand new uh, network twenty four seven. Many big names doing their own shows. Uh, my good friend America's toughest sheriff Joe Arpaio, as well as director of Jihad Watch Robert Spencer. Both of those guys will be the main faces of the network. So I'm really excited to release that. And it, yeah, it's probably about a month and a half, two months away. I mean we. Like I said uh, earlier uh, in the week yesterday and, and last week as well, I said we ran into some delays. You know, there's some setbacks, and this is just standard. This is protocol in, in these sort of industries, especially when you're raising money. We've already raised quite a bit, but there are, there, there's a certain amount that we have to raise in order to have this thing live to the highest regard and, uh, you know, fulfill to its maximum potential because there's too many times that these networks – that, you know, they do certain things wrong and they end up failing. I mean, this happens all the time. So we want to make sure that we're spot on, it's all correct protocol, and, and we're bringing everything uh, to light properly. I do, also want to re- um, I do also want to announce, like I've talked about these last couple weeks, I've made the announcement that in the next three weeks I will be on national ex- uh, terrestrial radio. I will be a national market, a huge reaches millions of people. You'll be able to listen to me in your car in each state. Uh, big stuff. This is big. This is really big. What what the uh, the offer I got uh, just just a couple of weeks ago, actually. I got this opportunity. They they love the show and they want to put it. They want to put it out there. So, just keep growing and growing. It's a it's really a beautiful thing. And you know, I like I said many times on this show. You know, I picked up the mic less than two years ago, and it just became a routine. You know, it just became part of my daily habit. It, it became like who I am. It's like my livelihood, this show, and, and in certain ways. And you know, I just, um, I've really, uh, you know, um, I, I've moved. I've moved this show to so many different levels. I mean, it, it's 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 been on such a, you know, a, a huge journey, and in, in the way we've you know, evolved and the way we've grown is, it's remarkable. You know, if you would have ever asked me when I started, um, you know, about a year and a half, almost two years ago, if I would be at over 200 episodes right now, I think you're crazy. I mean, this this is surreal in a sense. We're over 200 episodes. Most people don't even get past 20 episodes in a podcast. No, I'm not going to say most, but there's a lot of people that don't stick with it. And the biggest part of this industry is consistency. There is no doubt about that. You have to, you have to be constantly uh, attentive. You have to be updated. You have to be, you have to know. You, you just have to. You know, it's like a gift. It's like something I, I I was born with. I was born with this, and I love it. I love shining light. I love chatting with all of you. It's a beautiful thing. It really is beautiful. And, uh, you know, I did mention on the show yesterday at the beginning, you know, how how I see so many people that have great shows and great podcasts, but they're not, they're not in the limelight. They're not recognized, and, and they're not getting noticed. And I think that's terrible. There's so much talent out there. There's so much of these smaller talk show people that are more talented than people on Fox News. And what I want to do with this new network I'm creating is – obviously have a lot of notable people doing their own shows, but I also want to create a section where we have people that have talent that have never gotten the proper exposure. I want to to bring people um, aboard and help people. I want want to give people, you know, uh, a chance. And I've already been talking to quite a few talented people. You know, uh, all these different social media networks, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, gives you a lot of options for, for networking and interacting, all right. Um, a lot to get into tonight. Uh, you know, I all, as always, I want to thank all my guests, my co hosts, my audience, and sponsors. You are all incredible. Uh, another week, another week of the Rory Sodder Show. It's uh, it's fun, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I do want to welcome, I believe we have him with us right now. We have doctor, political activist, pastor, NRA member, and currently the 2020 Republican congressional candidate for the 13th District of Ohio, Dr. Dwayne Hennan. Sir, welcome back.
4: How you doing tonight, Rory?
3: I'm doing very well. It's great to have you here. Great to have you back. I always love your insight, and I look forward to a big show.
4: Likewise, I do too. I think it will be a great night tonight. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh,
3: I also would like to welcome to the show evangelist, motivational speaker, activist and best selling author, Sam Tully. Sam, welcome back.
0: Hey Roy, how you doing?
3: Doing very well. Great to have you here, sir. Great,
0: great. Looking forward to a nice show tonight.
3: Absolutely. I would also like to welcome to the show let's see I believe we have him with us. Uh let's
5: see here. Just making sure I have
3: military expert, veteran, engineer, political advisor, campaign manager, and activist, and currently a Senate candidate in the state of Illinois, Chris Kaspersky, are you with us?
6: Hey, Rory. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday,
3: my friend. Um, Great to have you back with us.
6: Great to be back. Thank you.
3: Chris Kaspersky, everybody. Um, I also would like to welcome to the show, I believe we have him with us, Director activists, lobbyists, and political strategists, the great the great Gianni Rodriguez Perez. Are you with us, buddy? I'm here. Glad to be on. Well, I'm glad to have you here. It's really good to have you back. It's been a few weeks, so uh definitely gonna be a fun show. I would also like to welcome to the show, I believe we have him with us. Uh, ISIS Escapee, radical Islam expert, activist, and best selling author, IQ Al Razuli. IQ, are you with us? IQ? IQ, are you there? No, weird. Uh let's see. Who else do we have right here? I think we have with us. I think that I think that's it for now. Wait, hold on a second.
7: Franklin Sager, are you with us? I'm with you, Rory. Good to be with you again this Tuesday evening. How are you? Excellent activist, political strategist, and currently the
3: congressional candidate for the New York 22nd District, Franklin Sager. Great to have you back with us, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. All righty, guys. Let's get into it. You know, there, there. I, I like I always do when I first come on. Uh, I want to just do a a brief recap of stuff that has happened in the last couple of days and certain things that I didn't get a chance to talk about yesterday. Um, you know, it, the, the NFL this past weekend. I w- I'm actually kind of pleased. Uh, there wasn't any kneeling. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it, we're basically beyond that crap. Uh, You know, it's – the NFL has given these players, obviously, warnings and and certain signs that uh, that stuff won't be tolerated. I mean, we see that kind of – we see what happened with Kaepernick. We see what happened with all these different players that uh, have pulled these bad attitudes and have been a liability. And some of them are not even on rosters anymore. And a lot of it has to do with the kneeling and the politics. So what I'm really happy about right now, is that the NFL has, in a lot of ways, you know has drifted away from that. But I will say, I don't think it's totally gone. Obviously, we know what Jay Z uh, did with purchasing. Uh, you know, obviously, and he did something. He did something. He purchased something within the NFL that's going to fo- focus on social justice, right? But as of now, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything. That's disrupting. I haven't seen any this year. I mean, it's just week one. But usually, if people understand this, and I'm sure most people on my panel and listening watch football, these players, it, it, a lot of times they, they will pull the crap in week one. And the fact that we didn't see any shenanigans in week one, it, it, it looks promising, you know, being off to a good start. And, and that's what I want. And, and I think this is very important that I, I state this. That I, the reason I watch football, the reason I watch sports is because I want to get away from politics. I don't go and turn on the TV so I can hear other people's political views watching a sporting event. You know, that that's just – and neither does anybody else. I mean, we, the sports is for fun. It's to enjoy yourself. It's to actually in a lot of ways come together regardless of what your political stances are because you're not supposed to talk about it. It's not the time and place. You want to go protest. You want to go – you know, make a difference. Do that in your spare time. Do go help the community. And, and I, I always said this whole kneeling thing is totally attention-seeking behavior. One hundred percent. You know they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not solving anything. There's nothing there that is being solved. It, the only thing is it's causing is division. And the NFL is losing badly in the ratings, which is probably why they stopped this. They were, they were going, They, I mean, you know, they've improved a little bit and quite a bit since they were at their all-time low in ratings, but still, I mean, they, they have a little ways to go, but at least there's progress. And, and I, I don't think anybody wants, you know, this sort of hostility from fans to the NFL. I mean, that's, that's not why these sports were created. These sports were created in, a lot, in, in most ways to entertain us. The fans are the ones that, that go to watch you. They go to support you. You know, it's not about the players. It's about the fans. So I I think that, you know, and what really bothered me is they would bring up topics like police brutality. And that's like the less than, that's like a less than 1% chance something like that happens. I mean, it does happen, but it doesn't happen nearly to the extent that the media reports it. It just doesn't. And they want to protest. You know uh, this whole oppression victim stance. That, that it's a false narrative. I mean, at most times, majority of the time, when a black individual gets shot, it's because he was not following the cops' orders. Not all, but most. And the fact that so many people are jaded on that subject and, and want to speak crap about crap about it and, and not, you know, uh, state state at all, it all, it's pathetic. I mean, it's it's. It's the biggest dishonest fluke I've ever seen. These NFL protests. It is. It's a joke. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's yeah. I I just I I can't I I can't um. I can't tolerate the division. And I'm just I'm I'm glad I'm glad it's you know kind of back. I mean. It's, it is in a lot of ways, but there's still obviously people not watching it, there's still certain you know anger towards the n f l and I get that, but I think slowly but surely we'll have the great game of football back for everybody, so everybody can enjoy it so there's you know there isn't this 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 any sort of hate or uh you know back and forth i mean it's just I just want to enjoy football, and that's it um Trump rally last night really great. He puts so many things into perspective. He, you know, he just everything. I mean, it's, the way he communicates with his following, the way he interacts with, with his base, the way he gets the word out there. I mean, he's, he's as authentic, as genuine as they come in this life. They don't get any better. We have never seen a president work this hard ever, not even close. He's fulfilled nearly 80 percent of his agenda within three years. Think about that. That's about 80 percent of all his promises within three years, less than three years. Most presidents, after eight years, they don't even fulfill 10 percent of their agenda. So think about that. This is unreal. We are living in the best time possible, and I've never seen any president you know, give so much energy. And love to the people like trump has and the the rallies I mean he'll just spend all the time in the world with his fans you know and and I've said many times i mean these are the modern day woodstock these trump rallies they're like a rock concert, they're a huge sporting event. It's beautiful, it really is beautiful um North Carolina update obviously, we had a special election there today. The last time I looked, it looked it looked good for one of the candidates. I know one of the candidates won, and that's a big pickup for us in Congress. Uh, as of now, Dan Bishop is hanging on to. Hold on, I'm looking at the the the, the update. Dan. Yeah, it looks like Dan Bishop holds on to North Carolina congressional seat. Wow. Wow, very good. And uh, we also saw, let's see here, who was the other person that won? Greg Murphy. Greg Murphy won today, too. These are, guys, if this is any indication, if this is any indication of what's going on, this proves that this, there is a huge uh red trend red trend going. I mean, there are so many people jumping on the Trump bandwagon and voting for these candidates because they want the pro-Trump agenda. They want to keep America sane. They want to keep, you know, these conservative and traditional and American values. We don't want communism. And we're even seeing a lot of Democrats that are, you know, old-school Democrats, like moderates, voting for Trump candidates and Trump even though they don't agree with Trump and the candidates on everything, but it's a whole lot better than communism. Let's face it. And the Democratic Party—I said this many times, and I'll say it again—there is no middle ground anymore. It is all left, left, left. I mean, I, I guess you got people like Joe Manchin, but I mean, he's basically a Republican. He's like a—you know—he reminds me kind of a, of, a, of a Kennedy, very, very, as, probably as moderate and as you know as it gets. That's like the only example. Well, that, that and Tulsi Gabbard, I guess, but it's only it's so rare these days. But, yeah, I mean, you know, this is beautiful. Two seats in North Carolina. And don't forget, don't forget, McCready was favored to win in North Carolina. He was the Democrat. And it just proves time and time again how wrong these polls are, how they constantly lie to us how they constantly mislead the public, how they brainwash everything they everything they put out. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. But the big news today, the big headline news and we're all going to talk about this is the firing of John Bolton. And you know, I I agree with this. Because I I don't like neocons. I am not a big war guy. Neither is Trump, and we all know John Bolton would take out this entire world and, dom- and dominate and, and be this superior figure if he had permission. This guy, there, there is no limits with this guy. This guy will do whatever. I'm not, I'm not saying you know he he's a bad guy. Uh, there's obviously some things I agree with, but there's also things that he does that I strongly disagree with. And for what President Trump is doing right now, for what he's looking for, for what the direction he wants to go with this country, it's not a guy like John Bolton. You don't you don't want to be in these sort of in wars and you know doing all this unnecessary stuff when you know you could. I mean, somebody like Trump, you know, he has strategy. He has a plan. Like like we've always said, he's playing chess while while everybody else is playing checkers. You know, all war does is it prolong prolongs the situation, makes stuff worse, that should be the last resort. I mean I'm I'm not anti war, but it should be the last resort. I don't I don't think you should jump up and and that should be one of the first things that comes to anybody's mind. You don't want innocent people dying. You don't want our troops dying. You don't want even people over there dying. You've heard Trump many times saying that he could take out a lot of these countries that are threatening us, especially Iran. But there would be millions and millions of lives lost. And, you know, on both sides, their people, our people, money spent that, you know, I mean, we're already in a huge deficit. We don't need to spend money on more war. You know, and 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 just everything, everything that Trump wants to do is the, I mean, for the most part, it's the opposite of John Bolton. You know, now's not the time for somebody like a John Bolton. We're trying to ease tensions. We're trying to bring the troops from Afghanistan home. We're trying to stop the Iraq war. We're trying, we're trying to bring all this – we're trying to get rid of Syria. I mean, it's the whole Syria thing. So, I mean, there's all these things, and all Bolton wants to do is make it more complicated, make more wars, have more lives lost, cost us more money, get us farther uh, away from what – what we really want to achieve so you know and and think about this john bolton is is absolutely a dc insider he's been there for so many years he worked for bush he worked for the swamp he worked for a lot of people that you know are are corrupt are, are, are the worst and whenever you have somebody like that, you have to be very careful because don't think that people weren't whispering in, back, in the back of John Bolton's ear that were not fans of Trump. They, guys like John Bolton – and I don't – I hate saying this, but would, would not, they would not have a problem sabotaging Trump's presidency by putting us into another war. I'm just going to say that. It's true. It's true. So I want to play this clip from Tucker. Now, I want us all to talk, but, you know, he really puts this whole John Bolton thing into into great perspective. He really does. Let me – let's play this real quick. One –
6: hold on. Give me a second, guys. It's loading. we go.
3: Having some connection problems with the video. Hold on a second. Here we go.
5: Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. National Security Advisor John Bolton got fired this morning, as you no doubt have heard. It's a major personnel change, but it's more than that. It is great news for America, especially for the large number of young people who would have been killed in pointless wars if Bolton had stayed on the job. They may not be celebrating tonight, but they should be. International oil prices, by
3: Official, primarily responsible, among other things,
5: for the historically catastrophic destruction of Libya, the move that flooded Europe with refugees. That official, Samantha Power, told reporters today that the firing was a very troubling sign. Believe it or not, another Republicans made similar noises. Senator Mitt Romney himself declared that he was quote very, very unhappy. Romney went on to describe the outgoing National Security Advisor as, quote, a brilliant man with decades of experience in foreign policy. Romney didn't say much about this experience. He wasn't specific about it. Why? Probably because none of Bolton's experience in the end helped America. Romney's right. Bolton has, in fact, been on the scene for decades. All of us are suffering the consequences of it. But whatever, details like that make no difference at all in Washington. In Washington, nobody cares what kind of job you did, only that you did the job. Nobody there learns from mistakes, because mistakes are never even acknowledged, ever. John Bolton himself took this form of selective amnesia to an art form. Watch him perform it on this show. So you've you for regime change in Iraq, Libya, Iran, and Syria. It's in the first two countries, we had regime change, and obviously it's been I, I, disaster. I think it's after No, Albert, no I, I don't agree with that. And No, I think you need to understand, you know, life is complicated in the when you say, well, the overthrow of Saddam Hussein was a mistake, but is I, I would argue that I'm on the one who understands it's a complicated mistake. Six-inch long experience in foreign policy. <laughs> uh-huh. Better record than yours. So. Did you catch that? Rather than justify or even explain as a record, Bolton said brag bragged that he spent a lot of time on the job. If you're wondering why so many progressives are mourning Bolton's firing stuff, he's Bolton himself fundamentally was a man of the left. There was not a human problem. John Bolton wasn't totally convinced to be solved with the brute force of government. That's an assumption of the left, not the right. Don't let the mustache fool you. John Bolton was one of the most progressive people in the Trump administration. By the way, naturally, what was has gone in there, Bolton promoted Obama loyalness within the National Security Council. That shouldn't surprise us either. From the very first day, John Bolton operated as, in effect, a fifth column within the Trump White House. We warned about it frequently on the ship. When the president calls for peace with a heavily armed nuclear power, that is considered treason. When the National Security Advisor calls for yet another pointless war, that's fine. The lifelong neocon, Bolton, repeatedly has called for toppling the Iranian government again and again. But tellingly he's never suggested what might replace the Iranian government wants to topple. Just to take maximum pay paycheck from the Washington Post. The crystal appears on MSNBC. John Bolton, this country's national security, advisory. The real There were no writers, their foolishness and their dishonesty. dishonest. Now, yes, Mr. President, John Bolton does want to get you into a war. He wants. It's what he brings about. Many wars, if possible. And if you're not careful, don't do it. Administration jobs are always pushing things. post speaking, people contracts. Or maybe disaster for America, but for John Bolton and his fellow neocons, he's always John Bolton on the show tonight he did not respond to the invitation, which is a shame, but he's always welcome here to your But in some ways, the story isn't simply about John Bolton. It's about the countless John Bolton who currently staff the federal bureaucracy, deeply mediocre lifers, drunk on uber, protected by bulletproof job security. People likely can tie on the job that's fired and they know it. As a group, these people have done an awful lot to make this country poorer, And more divided. The actual John Bolton is gone, likely forever. question tonight is: will he be replaced by another John Bolton just like him? And unfortunately, there are signs that that that's possible. In fact, in Washington, it's always possible. Change is not always better. Don't lie to yourself. Apparently, on the short list tonight to replace Bolton is the President's Special Representative for Iran, Brian Hook. Hook may be a good person. He's also an unapologetic neocon, who says he is undisguised contempt for Donald Trump, as John Bolton did. He particularly dislikes the president's nationalist foreign policy, which is one of the reasons people voted for Donald Trump in 2016. One administration official recalls Fook announcing that, quote, I think the president is reckless and doesn't understand policy. Another source, turning directly, saying something very similar to foreign officials at a conference abroad. A choice like that, and Hook, by the way, is not the only one, not even close. choice like that is really no choice at all. It's more John Bolton with the same predictable, disastrous results. Mitt Romney and the energy speculators will be happy, but the country won't be served.
1: Very
3: well said, as always, by uh, by Tucker Carlson. And you look at when Tucker had John Bolton on there and how. How much denial John Bolton is in, constantly. I mean, you know, it's it's insane. I mean, it's one thing to have you know certain ideologies, and that's great. Whatever you believe, you know, don't let anybody else tell you what to believe. But it's another thing to not own up to it and to just be in denial. I mean, come on. Um, Let's start with Dr. Hennen. Dr. Hennen, go ahead. Dr. and go ahead. You there? Something's going on
5: with the connection. Hold on a second. Let's try.
3: Sam
0: Tully, go ahead. Yeah, I uh, before I say something about John Bolton, I want to touch back on that NFL thing for a second. Uh when I um uh, I I agree with you that uh you know when I look to go into a sporting event. I want to disassociate myself from the cares of the world. Um, I feel the same way about movies. That's why I perplex when we see so-called celebrities running their mouth all the time, and they make it so I cannot go see many of them's movies because I want to just go into the fantasy of whatever the heck they're portraying instead of listening to their nonsense trying to tell me what my political views should be. But in the NFL, real quick, I was terribly disappointed to hear that uh, after such a great game yesterday, by the way, between the Texans and the Saints, that, um, uh, God, his name is took in my mind, Drew Brees uh, has did a backup on his his Christian stance, or I would say so-called Christian stance, because if he's now talking about he didn't know that, Um, focus on the family was given hateful information regarding the lbgq community Uh, there's no such thing as hateful information from a biblical perspective you say what the bible says and that's it and that's focus on the family position but drew drew who presented himself to be a staunch christian is folded like a a bad suit and a rumpled suitcase like many of these other people that can't seem to take the pressure of standing up for the faith they claim they represent. Uh, Jumping on the Bolton, what struck me is the fact that most of the liberals were saying before the election that Trump would get us into World War III. You know, Trump would get us killed. He would get us fighting the Iranians and North Koreans and everybody. You know, and now Trump seems to be the only one with common sense, the only one with a level head. He likes to hear strong positions on both sides uh, of a of a situation. But he is his own man. And he is not going to, I believe, arbitrarily get the United States into something uh, without thinking it through. Like you said, he plays chess while a lot of these other folks are playing checkers. No, I agree. I agree with you 100%.
3: And, uh, you know, it it really is a relief, in my strong opinion, that uh, Bolton is gone. I mean, he he was was just causing constant problems. Um, Let's go to Gianni. Gianni, go ahead. Gianni, are you there?
8: Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Hello? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, great. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to touch up on the NFL thing before I go to bowl. i going to have a lot to say about that also. Uh, You know, with the whole Jay-Z thing, I think last time I was on the show, I need to correct myself. I, at first, you know, was talking about how bad it was, da-da-da, whatever. But I did a little bit of studying on that, and a lot of people, you would be crazy it's crazy how much of the black community actually turned on Jay-Z for siding with, you know, Roger Goodell and the NFL. And he said this famous statement, he said, we're past kneeling. He said that. And the black community, I mean, Dave was fired up. Bill, like, what do you mean we're past kneeling? What are you? Colin Kaepernick was coming after him. Rihanna was coming after him. All these, you know, fucking celebrities was coming at him. And he said, what are we gonna do now? Like what is the way forward? That is what we need to focus on. We're past kneeling. And like you said, the first game we didn't see any kneeling. I wonder why. That's because I believe like I said before, Jay Z's words have a much has much power in in the black community. And when he said we're past kneeling, I think people start to really open up that Colin Kaepernick is full of shit. Colin Kaepernick is a guy who just knew that when he got bent, he wanted to make a way to, you know, get his name out there. So what he did is he he used real problems in the black community, like police brutality, which is real, by the way. It's very real, especially here in New York City. You know, you got a lot of corruption. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, blue lives don't matter. Blue lives definitely matter. I definitely support the cops. My father was an NYPD officer, so I definitely support the cops. But it is a problem. And um, uh, Colin Kaepernick was full of shit. All he wanted to do was just use it for his own career. I mean, this guy was raised by a white family. A white family took this guy in and, and raised him. And now all of a sudden, you know, he's this, you know, guy with an afro and this pro-black guy. He's none of that. What we noticed is it was all about what he wanted is a position because he's mad. Jay-Z said this. He said, it wasn't about a position. It was never about Colin Kaepernick having a position on the team. What it was about is about police brutality, how can we move forward in the black community. And I really like what the NFL and Jay-Z trying to get together to do something in the black community that's positive. You know, like the, the new thing that they got coming out now, which is, you know, black students, you know, having uh, um, after-school programs, the NFL is up funding that, um, you know, changing the way blacks are dressing because that is also a problem. Because I'll be honest, if I'm in the if I'm in a certain part of town and I see a guy with sagging pants and you know a, 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 a you know a long shirt with dreads, what I'm gonna be kind of watching out for myself. All of us, we might not say it out front, but on the back of our head, we're thinking. If we see a guy that looks like a thug, guess what? He's gonna be racially profiled. If we see a guy that looks like a thug and he's walking inside of a uh, 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 a restaurant or a mall or store, they're going to be looking at him because it's a stigma that he's going to take something, he's going to steal. So with the NFL, what they're trying to do is try to have a leadership program that's going to have you know black uh, black men exactly, um, you know dress different. They're trying to change the culture because you can throw economics all, all at it all you want to. If you don't change the culture, the black community will never progress. So that's also good Um, So I think it's a good thing What's going on with the NFL I like it, no kneeling, no drama Kneeling and kneeling and kneeling We're actually getting stuff done now We're done with kneeling, we're done with protesting Like Martin Luther King, he protested but guess what He went to the White House And he worked with President Johnson who was a known bigot He worked with him to get things done And that's how this has to be done now We gotta work with Roger Goodell to get things done We can't just keep kneeling for no reason And nothing gets done uh, when it comes to Bolton, I don't like Bolton. I don't like him as a person, and I don't like him as a person in politics. I don't like him at all. He's a war hawk. He has done things to nations. He has gone in nations for oil and for assets. He's done things with Bush, as we know the weapons of mass destruction was a, was a fucking lie. We know that also. We know everything he's done, he's destroyed nations. He's helped destroy nations. He's a war hawk, and I have no respect. I have zero respect. And like Sebastian Gorka and all these, you know, knuckleheads say, oh, you know, he's a patriot. No, he's not a patriot. He's not a patriot at all. He's a guy who was out to destroy President Trump's legacy. That's what he was going to do. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you 100%, if we were have went to war with North Korea, if we were to go to war with Venezuela like he wanted, if we were to go to war with all of these countries and, you know, Iran, all these countries, guess what, President Trump's Legacy is, guess what, down the tubes There's no more jobs, there's no more education None of it is focused on America first Everything is focused on war, money, and oil So I don't like John Bolton at all I have no respect for him President Trump made the right decision to fire him And he needs to fire some more of the Warhawks in his administration Thank you Yeah, I agree No,
9: very well said,
2: as usual
3: Um, Yeah, no, absolutely Uh, let's Let's go to Franklin Franklin Sager in New York, go ahead
7: Thank you, Rory. Well, first of all, I, you know, like all of you, I want to keep the politics out of sports. I certainly want to enjoy it, although this last Sunday was a little bit of anxiety since my New York Jets lost by one point, and so it wasn't that uh, exciting. But uh, the only kneeling I want to see on Sunday is uh, my fellow Christians kneeling in prayer. Other than that, I'd like to keep the politics out of sports. But let me just first of all say uh, congratulations to Mr. Bishop and Mr. Gregg. Very excited down there with the results in North Carolina And uh, you heard of this uh, in the last election, you heard of this blue wave that didn't kind of wave out. But we're looking for the red tsunami next year, and so I'm hoping that uh, I can help lead the charge with that. And so we're, we're taking that as a sign of things to come, and so we're excited with where we're at. And you're right, you know, everywhere I travel, all over the district, and I have a pretty big district. It's eight counties, and so I spend a lot of nights in hotels, and I'm constantly traveling. But I talk to people all the time that say exactly what you were saying earlier, that, hey, maybe they're not the biggest fan of the president. Maybe they don't agree with all of his policies, but they say, Franklin, how can how can I vote for some of the crazy ideas of these people who are trying to out-left each other uh, on the Democratic ticket? I mean, some of the crazy me- – and, and we, I thought that when they first came out with this Medicare for All that that was as liberal as it gets, but it seems like every day they're out – trying to maneuver one another. I've heard of these, uh, they want racial reparations. Now they want reparations to the LGBTQ community. Uh, Every day, (laughs) a new policy comes out. But I really think that uh, the president... Like you said, he's done so many great things and accomplished so many of his promises within the first few years of his administration. It's amazing. And to think uh, – to do it at his age, I'm hoping that at his age I can I can work and accomplish half as much as, as he's accomplishing every day. And we can't forget that he's doing it all free of charge to the American people, not charging one dime of salary but giving everything away. And so uh, I, I'm just really excited as I travel everywhere. I'm excited to, to support the president and i so i i think as far as bolton goes i, I agree I, I think it was probably a good thing for the administration i tend to be uh, i have a pretty good libertarian streak so i tend to uh, agree with rand paul on this issue and uh, the last thing we need to do is get into a war uh, half a world away uh, at this point we just the cbo uh, just really came out and said that we've did now went over 1 trillion dollars in deficit Uh, So getting into a war right now with no exit strategy is just disaster for the economic recovery that's taking place all over the nation. And so we need to go – I'm more concerned about the deficit. So I want to go to Washington because I want to help the president clean up this deficit where we continually spend, 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 and most of it on entitlement. We have to fix the entitlement spending. We have to get the, the spending under control. And so, uh, obviously, the leftist programs that are being proposed by all these leftist candidates aren't going to help that situation at all. So we're really looking forward to helping the president.
3: Yeah, and you, you know, give give us an update. We haven't heard you from you in a few weeks. So you are running in the 22nd district of New York for U.S. Congress, and from my understanding, you're you're the front runner in your party, correct?
7: Well, you know, I like to say I might be the presumptive nominee, but I'm working hard every day to earn the votes of the, of the voters. There are several other people who have come out. In fact, uh, there are some local party leaders who have uh, helped support some people who, let's say, they wanted to be a little bit more moderate. I'm continually being told by some party leaders that, you know, you've got to run away from Trump a little bit. You have to be more moderate. Uh, in fact, in New York here, uh, uh, one of the gentlemen earlier was talking about, uh, some of the uh, initiatives that are being taken by the LGBTQ community, and one of them is the uh, Equality Act, which came out, which was passed by the House a few months back, which would really hurt the uh, houses of faith, it really hurt people of faith. And and they've misnamed that, the Equality Act, and it's not equality for people of faith. And so uh, even some of the Republican congressmen, right? Uh, we had a few of them in New York here. I think of the seven Republicans that voted with the Democrats and that, three of them were from New York. Two of them were our neighbors here, Congressman Reed and Congressman Stefanik. And so uh, I, I stand for people of faith. I stand for uh, conservative uh, values. And I am a Trump Republican. And everywhere I go, I get support from people. And so I, I don't worry too much about polls. Uh, yeah, I think we're, we're probably the presumptive nominee. But I, I don't look at a lot of polls. I, I meet with people. I'm every day out talking to people. I'm hearing their concerns. They want the economic recovery that's happening all over the nation. To continue to happen, to happen here uh, in New York. Obviously, New York's become a magnet for illegal immigration because of some of the liberal policies enacted in Albany by. Uh, The Democrats who now hold not only the the governor's mansion but also the state senate for the first time in many years and the state assembly, and now with complete control of the government, they've they've passed some of the most liberal policies ever, which have really attracted illegal to New York. And so I want to go to Washington to help the president build a great big wall so that we can cut the spigot off of all the illegal people coming here. And we we want immigration, but we want it to be done the right way. We want it to be done the legal way, and I support the president 100%. Very, very well said, as always.
3: Um, let, let, let's go to – go I'm going to take a few more calls, um, get to everybody on the panel, and I'll take a commercial, and then I'll introduce Gavin Clarkson. But uh, Dr. Hennon, go ahead. You're, in Ohio, you're running for Congress in Ohio, and I know you have a lot of thoughts about what I, what I talk about. Go ahead.
4: Okay. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to hit the John Bolton thing real quick because uh, John Bolton, I think, was a great move. Um, I don't think that's just like a half-hearted move. I think that is great for our country. Uh, number one, we need a lot less political insiders inside Washington, D.C. We have a swamp because we have a lot of career politicians, uh, and, and that's what we see. We just see them accumulate to D.C., and this is what you get, and they just feed off of each other. So it's good to see him go. Let's get someone in there. It, it, why, why don't we strive for peace around the world where we can actually like, cut down the wars? War is always going to be inevitable, but if we can you know, strive for more peace and try to do some more talks rather than just uh, always going to war, we'll save a lot of money here, which is good for our economy. Um, you know, and as far as the kneeling uh, with the NFL, um, you know, I, I think the only kneeling that needs done is really up in Cleveland, Ohio, with the Cleveland Browns. Since I'm uh, you know, pretty close to there, um, they, they got stomped pretty hard, so they better get on their knees sure. next week and pray before they start their game. Uh but but they can do that in the locker room. They don't need to actually come out and kneel for any anthem or anything like that. Um, but you know, it's a pretty pretty uh, big defeat there. Um you know, I just think we need to keep moving forward. We need just like move our country forward. We need to get past all this garbage that's just been started, a lot of it just because Trump won and they you want to throw a tantrum about it. And enough of the tantrum, let's get on doing business and let's get things accomplished for the American workers.
3: Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Kaspersky, uh, you you are running for Senate in in Illinois, and you've also been in the war, so you know firsthand how it is, and I'm sure you probably have thoughts on what I said as well as probably some thoughts on John Bolton.
6: Yeah. um, I mean, I fought the Taliban firsthand in uh, 2009 and 2010, I was over there in Kandahar and Helen Province uh, pulling roadside bombs off of the roads. So, um, you know, that was kind of a crazy time to be over there, too. But I'm, I'm actually encouraged that President Trump is trying to find sort of an exit strategy over there. Um, you know, it's, it's a little disheartening that, you know, 10 years later now, um, we're still over there spinning our wheels spending a lot of money, rebuilding a lot of infrastructure over there instead of over here. Um, and so that was that was one thing that always really frustrated me was that we kept rebuilding roads and bridges in Afghanistan. The Taliban would keep blowing up on a daily basis. And then, you know, our streets around here are all crumbling and we have to raise our taxes, you know, like crazy out here just to, you know, try to repair those. And then we're sending all this money overseas. So, I mean, John Bolton was one of those guys where he just he didn't find a war that he didn't like. And, uh, you know, he I think he, he also was sort of one of those students of the old school way of doing things where we would go into a war and then we never would actually leave. I mean, aside from Vietnam, I mean, every other war we've maintained a base in. I mean, whether it's uh, Germany or Korea, I mean, we've got um, bases in Japan. We've got, you know, just about everywhere we've gone to war at, we kind of tend to stay even though people think that the war is over, the conflict is over. We never really leave. So, I mean, some people think that staying in Afghanistan in perpetuity is a good idea. Others seem to think that our presence there only creates more terrorists Um I just know that the Taliban is not a, a group of people that are very friendly to our way of life. And that, that whole area considers itself to be more tribal than, um, than a, a national identity. So trying to instill, you know, a national way of thinking and way of life on a, a tribalist culture was just, you know, sort of uh, doomed from the start. And so, I mean, that's why they call Afghanistan the graveyard of empires. So, I mean, I'm, I'm for one, I'm, I'm sort of glad that we don't have those, those war hawks talking in President Trump's ear. Um, you know, like Franklin said before me, I'm, I uh, am I'm more of a proponent of trying to find a peaceful resolution to things and definitely going through Congress whenever we do want to have a conflict and not just relying on uh you know these blanket resolutions that allow them to go attack all of these other foreign countries under one you know uh just blanket policy so i mean that's that's one thing that i think president trump um you know that i i do kind of criticize president trump on was that he he went into syria um at the the uh advice of john bolton and uh without going to congress and that was something that he was very critical of before he became president and I was hoping that he was going to remain consistent with that so I'm glad to see that he's got some of those voices out of out of his head now and he can think more clearly about you know disentangling our our um foreign entanglements and bringing us back home and then uh you know worrying about our economy and not worrying about sending our tax dollars to people that you know hate us and want to burn our flag so
3: yeah no i hear you no very well said no absolutely um mike peters i'll go to you and then i'm gonna take a commercial and, and, and introduce uh, gavin clarkson but mike peters go to, go ahead
0: you know
10: uh, the talk about bolton and everything uh there's a couple things that i wanted to mention one thing about bolton i'm i'm not surprised i'm not surprised by any of these guys any of the uh the professional athletes in the United States government today that are out there, all the names that we know, the names that have been around, people that have been involved, uh, even them, whenever Trump hires him and everything else, he's treating it like a business, and you perform, you follow what the CEO is saying, with the company, how the company and our government's a business, we all know that, and if you're not one of the team, you're not a team player, and you're not going to listen to the boss or anything else, or there's a problem, you're going to get fired. You're going to lose your job. But that's not how the way Washington used to work in the old days. In the old days, we all know that. The good old boy system is, well, yeah, the guy's a screw-up. But you know what? Once he's hired in a position, that'll reflect on on me. I've, I've got to show that I'm the, uh, the president now and everything's stable. So I'll let the jerk stay in office. No, you don't stay in that position. You're fired. It doesn't matter if, it, if the guy's in office, were um, in his position for two weeks If he's not performing, can't perform, or goes against the wish of the president, you're fired. You're out of here. And the liberals freak out with that because it's not normal. Nothing about Trump is normal to them, which is one of the reasons that he's getting shit done. So I have no problem with it anyway. You know, uh, let him him move on. Now, the other thing about the WMDs, Rory, I sent you through Facebook message uh, an article, and there are several of them from New York Times and CNN, Uh, 2014 finally – They admitted that they found there was a compound, and I also sent it to Chris Kaspersky, that there was a chemical weapons stash that they found. There were WMDs that were in Iraq, and the New York Times and all of them admitted it quietly, but they did articles and admitted it. They were in Iraq. The reason they didn't push it was the majority of the weapons and the shells, artillery shells and bombs and barrels full of chemical weapons, mustard gas, and everything else that they found – came from England, Italy, France, Germany. They were sold by, at the time, our NATO allies to Saddam. And I personally know soldiers that have died from this stuff because they were exposed to it because they found those bunkers. And they opened those bunkers up. They were up by Balad. There were different dumps, ammo dumps, that they found with this stuff in it. And the stuff was old stuff that some of the stuff he had used on the Kurds. But he had bunkers full of it. And the guys are, now we have guys that are getting sick because they had even opened up those bunkers and gone in and seen them. But everybody kept quiet about it so we wouldn't embarrass our NATO allies. And the liberals had a run with it. They loved it. They were, they, look, there were no WMDs. We had no reason. Yeah, there were. Yeah, there were. And we know guys that are dying from it now. So I just wanted you to see that article. And I'd on on my way to find CNN. So that way you'd go, oh, look, and they're admitting it now. So there's a price with the politics, and it, it comes down to it. Afghanistan and everything else dragging our feet. When we let the politicians really control these these wars and come in and drag their feet and turn it into a game instead of letting our military do the job, this is the price that we pay. And we're there for many, many years. And uh, you know, it it costs money. If we pull out, it's going to be a huge mistake. We're going to be looking at ISIS type things again, where they're going to build up and come back again. These are roaches. They are roaches. All right, thanks. Sorry.
3: No, you're great. You're good. You're good. We're going to take a quick commercial, and we'll be right back with Gavin Clarkson. Stay with us, everybody.
8: TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love, like chicken, shrimp, and cheese, just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey flat iron steak and the tastiest sizzling street foods. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other new and entree starting at $10. TGI Friday, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close.
9: Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea.
1: I can't tell you how good it
4: feels to have smoke behind me.
9: Talk to your doctor about Chantix.
3: And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to it in 25 different countries, on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss me past clips, Past episodes or need 24/7 breaking news coverage? Visit my media site the next nex gen gen USA.com. Also, remember, starting in three weeks, I will be on AM radio. Everybody can hear me across the country in their car, and we will be reaching millions and millions of people on AM radio and being, being in people's cars. So, every single state, you'll be able to hear me. So, very excited about that. Also, want to mention. In about a month and a half to two months, we will be releasing the 24-7 media network with many notable names doing their own TV shows, as well as the two main um, poster people for the network will be my good friend America's toughest sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as well as director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer. So I cannot wait to release that project. We are in the middle of raising money right now, and uh, it's going to be huge. It really is. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show. I believe we have him with us right now. We have former Trump, former Trump admin, deputy assistant secretary, and currently the U.S. Senate candidate for New Mexico, Gavin Clarkson. Gavin, welcome to the show. It really is a pleasure having you on.
2: Hey, thanks so much for inviting me this evening.
3: Absolutely. Uh, And Gavin, when people first come on my show for the first time, I like to get a bio. I like to tell us how it all started for you, the different roads you've been down, all the the great adventures. That uh, sounds like it's been quite the journey for
2: you. Uh, yes. Well, I I tell people I'm an endangered species. I am a Christian conservative, pro-life, pro-gun, pro-Israel Republican college professor. And everybody's with me until that last little bit because that that you know that makes me a unicorn. Uh, there, the, the academia is in a place that's incredibly hostile to conservatives. But I've been teaching uh, since 1991. I have uh, my uh, Unlike Elizabeth Warren, I actually am an enrolled tribal member. Uh, both of my parents are tribal members actually. and my, my father started out as an orphan Indian kid in Chickasha, Oklahoma during the Dust Bowl days of the Great Depression. and he was so broke he would tell you he was broke and not poor because poor is a state of mind whereas broke is or poor is a state of mind whereas broke is merely an insufficiency of cash flow. But he was so broke that he was literally digging through other Indians' garbage cans for food. In 1943, he decided he had enough of that, and he was mad at the Japanese for bombing Pearl Harbor. So he joined the Navy and never looked back. And by 1948, he was flying F9F Panther jets off the USS Princeton. And by 1962, he was the senior nuclear targeting strategist for all of NATO. Uh, so I am proof positive that Indian poverty is not a life sentence. And I don't want to shortchange my mom. She's an awesome woman as well. And in fact. Um, she, uh, both my parents came up from poverty, and interestingly, people always ask, how did your parents meet? They, in my case, it's a true story that my parents met when they were spies in Paris. Uh, my dad was naval intelligence, and my mom uh, was, a, was an analyst with the DIA, and she was one of the fir- first people to early, – early people to identify China as a long-term strategic threat. And She was writing a brief on the Chinese nuclear capability. Uh, And my dad was a subject matter expert, and so um, my my parents' first date was a discussion of uh, centrifuges and uranium hexafluoride, which probably explains a lot about me. Um, So I, I was a nerdy native before I was even a twinkle. Um, I, do, uh, I, I did my undergraduate and I did my MBA at Rice University in Houston. I was on the computer science faculty there for a number of years, did a number of tech companies off campus, uh, sold off a big one, decided to go off and be a full-time academic. Um, I, my, the advice was to go get my doctorate at a place that I never wanted to live again, and that would be Boston. Um, no offense to your listeners up in Boston, but uh, I, I, I like to drive, and Boston is a very hostile place for people who drive as well as if you're for life. And so I, I, w- I was the first tribal member to ever get a doctorate from the Harvard Business School. Uh, but I'm also the only doctoral graduate in the history of the Harvard Business School uh, that's also placed in a livestock show. And my jacked-up four by 4 was extra money uh, in the Harvard Business School parking lot to prove that I was not a Harvard man. Um, and just for grins and giggles, I decided to go across the river to get a, a law degree as well, where I was president of the Native American Lawsuits Association, where that That's actually where I encountered Professor Warren. Um, <laughs> and, you and, 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 uh, well, you've you got to be careful. I don't use the term Pocahontas because Pocahontas was a real person. Elizabeth Warren is totally fake, so the proper term is Pocahontas.
3: <laughs> I and love so, it. I love it. Keep going. But, this is good. Keep going.
2: So anyway, so I, uh, uh, we invited – her. I was there because I was doing my doctorate, my law degree at the same time. Um we invited her to come support Native students every year, and of course she blew us off every year. And and I'm a light-skinned Oklahoma Indian. I'm exactly the kind of person that she allegedly signed up to be an Indian because she was trying to meet people just like me, and she blew us all off. Um, but uh, my last year there, I had uh, finished my law degree. I was finishing up my doctorate, and you know, I figured, you know what, we really need to get her interested in something – so I, I, I was I had uh, won a prestigious fellowship. I was the Reginald Lewis Fellow for law teaching at Harvard Law School. That sounds fancy, but I'm not. Um, but anyway, I I was I met up with her at some sort of faculty function, and um, I mentioned to her that it was illegal for me to get my doctorate at the Harvard Business School, and maybe she could help me with that. And she looked at me, and I said, Well, yes, um, the, the law school's in Cambridge, and that's there's no problem. But As an American Indian, it is illegal for me to enter the city of Boston and the business schools across the river in Boston because according to Massachusetts state law, and specifically the Indian Imprisonment Act of 1675, it was illegal for me to enter the city of Boston without two armed militiamen escorting me. And because Harvard is a gun-free zone, I would have had to have ditched my uh, militia escorts at the guard booth, and therefore every day I was sitting in class unescorted by militia members, I was breaking the law. Uh, she looked at me and she said, Well that that sounds bad and then of course she still continued to blow us off and never showed up and we never heard from her again. So, um I I I am still thus far the only native alumnus of the uh, of the Harvard Law School that has openly called out uh, professor Warren uh for her total abandonment of the American Indian students on, on campus when we were there. Uh and I'm also uh castigating her for having helped create the most hostile Anti-tribal federal agency since we stopped shooting Indians on site when Indian Affairs was in the War Department. That's the uh, organization called the CFPB or the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, which basically spends most of its time suing Indian tribes that are trying to do economic expansion over the internet. Um, and she's voted against the Tribal Labor Sovereignty Act every time it's come up. So, um, I, I from my standpoint, and certainly in my Senate race, uh, I, I you know. I hope I hope Elizabeth Warren continues to be prominently featured in the Democrats' uh, uh, presidential primary because I think uh, the, the the her radical leftist notions plus her uh, questionable history with Indian country uh, are only going to help the president do better and better in terms of getting him reelected and and help me to be able to carry my message forward as well.
3: Let me ask you this because I think this is a really important question. Let, and I got a lot. I
7: got a lot to ask
3: you. Obviously, there's there's so much here, but somebody like Elizabeth Warren, would you say she gets more votes than Hillary Clinton or less? If she's the nominee,
2: um, I that's a good question. Um, I think she. I think she's more likable than Hillary, but that's not saying much. Um, I don't think that she is as crooked as Hillary, but that's not saying much. Um, so, but, but she is to the, she is farther left than Hillary. So in terms of, you know, if if it was just
3: on, apparently she's getting all this advice from Hillary behind closed doors. This was
2: like a
6: a report the other day. Sorry, I
3: didn't mean to cut you off. So
2: no, so if it's, if it's on personality, she might get more votes. But if you look at all of the, the absolute leftist nonsense that she's spouting, uh you know as soon as americans actually start to pay attention to the presidential race uh you know she is their nominee and she continues to carry forward you know all you know basically everything that she wants to do to destroy the american economy and, and put most americans out of work i have a feeling the president's gonna going to perform even better in 2020 than he did in uh, in 2016
3: yeah i do i do too i do too and um you know, you speaking of the president, you used to work for him. Tell us about that.
2: I did. I was the well, I I said I've been a school teacher since nineteen ninety one. Um and uh the uh what I, I thought I, I had an inkling that the president was going to surprise a lot of people about two weeks before the election. Um because i i'm i, I live in las cruces new mexico down on the border and i saw a lot more trump signs uh in you know and 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 particularly in the hispanic communities than one might have expected and so i actually had my resume ready and once the once the uh once they called pennsylvania i sent in my resume to greatagain.gov because i figured the number of uh, uh tribal members who were republicans who could take off to go to dc to go work for the for the administration you know was was probably a, a small list and Uh, It it took a while, but but eventually I got uh, appointed by the president to be the deputy assistant secretary for policy and economic development. Uh, Part of my portfolio included the Office of Indian Energy and Economic Development, which was every tribal oil, gas, coal, and mining uh, interest uh, in the country. I also supervised the Office of Self-Governance, which is a great program that allows Indian tribes to fire the BIA and take over most of their own programs. It's sort of a Uh, the equivalent of a block grant program for tribes. Uh, More than half of the tribes in the country have successfully fired the BIA and taken over their own programs. Um, But I I, I also supervise a lot of the other economic development activity. I I was, in effect, the senior job creator of the Department of Interior. And that's my number one issue. Um, I'm obviously very strong on social issues, but uh, 95% of my students, tribal or non-tribal, they all have to leave the state in in order to get a job. Uh, and that's not self-sustaining for an economy. Uh, it's basically we we have this massive brain drain where these kids, you know, they, they they there's no opportunity to have a good paying job here in New Mexico, and so they leave. They go to Texas, they go to Colorado, they go to Arizona. They don't stay here.
3: Yeah, and it it is one of those things. And here's how how what what percent of the native Community supports Trump. I
2: mean, you know the percentage. Well, it's it's an interesting question. Um, The uh, the the, there's about 10%. Well, nationwide, um, I I don't know. uh, In New Mexico, about 10% of the voters are tribal members. Um, And I actually – I have a little bit of data on this. I was a last-minute replacement candidate in 2018. Uh, The the woman that was running for secretary of state had to drop out for family reasons, so the party asked me uh, to run, and I got in unfortunately very late. Uh, I got in – I started basically campaigning in September for a November uh, general election um, when everybody else had been campaigning for about two years, and I got spent 10 to 1 – and I was running against the George Soros-funded incumbent, uh, who is the darling of the progressive left, and she's potentially one of my opponents in the Senate race, depending on how the socialist cage match on the left uh, shakes out. Um, but the um, but the the thing I did was um, I, I I'm a fluent Spanish speaker, so I I I did uh, radio ads in Spanish, and the uh, but I also cut a, a Navajo language radio ad, and. Uh, If you can ask a Navajo grandmother for her vote in Navajo and you're obviously not a a native Navajo speaker, that that means a lot in that community. And and the the grandmothers are the sources of power and influence. Um, And I carried 25 percent of the tribal vote in New Mexico when uh, most Republicans had never done better than 5 percent. And that was with a late start, not nearly enough money. So uh, one of the things – you you were talking about the results that uh, came out of uh, North Carolina this evening uh, your your yep. listeners should pay attention to the results, specifically in North Carolina uh, District Nine, um, and specifically look at uh, Robeson County, which is where the Lumbee Tribe, which is the largest tribe east of the Mississippi, is headquartered. And uh, the candidate,
6: uh, let's see,
2: his uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bishop, Dan Bishop, carried 50%, almost almost 50% of Robeson County. So he split the tribal vote 50-50, and that put him over the top. And so that you know that same strategy—if I can split the tribal vote 50-50 in New Mexico—that's uh, going to be a 10-point swing because they historically vote Democrat. But as, as right. a tribal member, um, you know, and as somebody who actually—I uh, uh, actually have very specific plans to create economic expansion in our poorest areas, which are the tribal areas where unemployment is at 56%. Um, Jesus and won't, Christ! And it won't—and it won't cost. It, oh, it's—it's it's awful, and. In many cases, the uh, the problem is the federal government. But if I can split the tribal vote, that's a 10 point swing, and I'll win the Senate race walk away. But I got to have enough money to be able to get that message out. And so, you know, I hope you're, hopefully your listeners will go to GavinClarkson.com and 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 press the donate button. But my number one issue, and this is actually something I developed working in the Trump administration. Um, since I do have a doctorate, I, I can speak as fluent pointy headed ec- economist. And so I assembled a room full of economists, and we did the analysis. Um, Ronald Reagan, all the way back in, uh, in, in the early 80s, identified the problem of double taxation uh, on job creators in Indian country as a huge problem. Basically, I'm a tribal member. I'm going to assume that you're not a tribal member. You and I both go to a reservation. We both open up the identical business. You will pay twice as much in taxes for being a white guy than I will. And last time I checked, that was racist, and it's wrong. And what it does is, you know, I'm also going to give you credit for being a rational economic maximizer. You don't want to go open up a business where you pay twice as much in taxes. And so that is why the entrepreneurial effort in Indian country is the hardest. That's where it's the most difficult because of the double taxation. I mean, even Walmart doesn't want to open up a a Walmart on the Navajo reservation um, because of the double taxation. So they open it up right off reservation. So the single largest Walmart on planet Earth in terms of dollar per square foot sales, is in Gallup, New Mexico, uh, and it's because all the Navajos, you know, they get paid at the end of the month and they all drive to Gallup on the first of the month to go shopping. And some of them drive two and a half hours to go grocery shopping each way. Um, and yet, Walmart was looking at trying to put a, a, a Walmart right in the middle of the reservation, and it just didn't pencil out because of the double taxation. And Ronald Reagan said um, in his pres- with his presidential commission that this double taxation would be the death of tribal economies, and he was right. So we did the analysis of what would happen if we eliminated that double taxation on job creators in Indian country, and it's for just for New Mexico alone. It's a $2 billion stimulus. Nationwide, it's at least a $40 billion stimulus, and importantly, it does not cost the taxpayer a single dime because what it is is cutting taxes so that projects can happen because right now those projects aren't happening. Therefore, there's no jobs being created, no income being generated. So if all of a sudden you start flowing – if outside capital starts flowing onto these poor communities, not because of government subsidy or anything, but simply because government's getting out of the way, um, you create jobs. You move people from no job to a job. You reduce the level of welfare transfer payments, and it's actually revenue-enhancing. The Democrats have no answer to something like that, and that is part of why I'm going to be able to carry – you Know a large chunk of the tribal vote, just like Dan Bishop did in North Carolina nine, because I have a message that resonates in tribal populations. Whereas the Democrats' answer is, Oh, just keep you know, you just stay dependent on the federal government. My, my son has this great t shirt, it says, Sure, you could trust the federal government, just ask an Indian.
3: Yeah, I mean the minute the minute uh, the government gets involved with uh, anything, I mean it, you know that's you're basically signing your life away when you, you when you want the government to interfere in. Uh, I mean it's it, it's all these things, healthcare, you know, uh, it, it just goes on and on. I mean anytime the government gets involved, it's bad. And I wanted well, to ask you, I wanted to ask you a couple things. Go ahead. Um, first of all, what would you say? New Mexico is Democrat Republican, probably sixty forty, or would you say it's closer than that?
2: Well, uh, it, it, it's a it's an odd demographic because you do have a lot of people who have historically been Democrats, but they yeah. are socially conservative, pro life, Second Amendment Democrats that feel right. like the radical progressive nut jobs have abandoned them. Right, and they're right. Like so, uh, and we are unfortunately New Mexico is the late term abortion capital of the Western Hemisphere. Um, and the, when the progressives had a good year in 2018, and they and they took over, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of veto-proof or filibuster-proof majorities in both uh, houses of, of the legislature, they decided that they were going to eliminate conscience protections for doctors and nurses uh, who didn't want to uh, perform abortions. And you know that what happened was that they were then forced to admit that the the official Democrat policy in New Mexico is abortion up until the day of birth. And then we were able to demonstrate that the official state university hospital policy, which the Democrats support, is that if a baby survives an abortion attempt, their official policy is to toss the baby in the sink and watch it die. And most Democrats had no idea that that was what their party stood for. That level of barbarity and depravity is something that there's a lot of devout Catholic Hispanics. Who may have historically voted Democrat, but they look at that and they say, you know, I can't support that. That goes against my faith. That goes against my core beliefs. Um, and then you have, you know, the 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 governor wanted to say, well, she, you can keep your guns, but you have to keep them locked up at the sheriff's office. And you've got a lot of rural Democrats where, you know, the sheriff's office is an hour away. And you know, so you know, it's the it, it, the the gun confiscation, abortion up until the day of birth, Green New Deal, Medicare for all. Uh, you name it; it's a bad idea. And so, there's a lot of people that may have a D after their name that are going to be supporting the president and voting against the radical progressives.
3: No, absolutely. And and you know, you you are. Well, what is it looking like for you? I mean, are you? Do you have much competition in your primary? Are you pretty much the favorite right now? Are you the front runner. Uh,
2: you know, I, I, I'm never going to take any. I'm never going to take anything for granted. I'm going to work my butt off. You know, I I I have. Uh, the, uh, I, I basically, my, my wife and I have made the decision that I will, I will devote full time to this. So, uh, you know, and it, 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 interestingly, the university didn't, university didn't give me much choice. They tried to fire me for going, uh, when I went to the Trump inauguration, uh, they assembled a fake dossier on me accusing me of plagiarism, except for the only person they could accuse me of plagiarizing was myself, because, you know, I'm already recognized as the nation's leading scholar in tribal finance. And, of course, it was all fake because they admitted every time I had footnoted myself, Um, and so that got debunked, and I would have sued them then except for I got pulled into the Trump administration right after that, so there wasn't really any harm there. Uh, But then the moment I left the administration to declare for office, they tried to fire me, and literally the day before I announced, you know, there was this email saying, oh, Gavin's still on leave. He won't be back for another 18 months, and the day I announced, they said, oh, gosh, we've got to fire him. Because they didn't want a Christian conservative pro-life pro-gun pro-Israel Republican college professor, you know that embarrasses the academic left because you know they you know it, it, it it's it's too embarrassing at cocktail parties to have somebody who believes in fundamental rights and believes that the Second Amendment is a fundamental right and believes that life, you know that, that life deserves protection both at the beginning and at the at the end of life, um and you know heaven for you know heaven forbid, I, I'm not just a Trump supporter I'm a former Trump official.
3: Yeah. What's it? What's he like? I'm sure it was amazing being around him. What's he like?
2: Well, I was I was over at the Department of Interior, so I, I I only did two White House briefings, uh, but he, he's he's incredibly he's incredibly energetic, incredibly facile, uh, you know, very very uh, intellectually engaged in everything. Can process a tremendous amount of information. Uh, can take in information from multiple sources simultaneously. Um, he is you know in terms of raw gray matter processing power, he is probably you know you know one of the most intellectually capable presidents we've ever had yeah,
6: no,
3: absolutely no, i agree, i agree, and I think that's awesome how and I'm reading everything you've done i mean you've had quite the quite the resume i mean you were the senior senior nuclear targeting strategist at NATO headquarters uh you've also well, no, that been named was my fa- that ma- was my father. Oh, I thought oh okay, okay but you you also been named the nation's leading scholar in tribal finance uh, by the Financial yes. Times and Bloomberg and Wall Street Journal and USA today.
2: Well and that's and that's part of my 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 opportunity to, to pursue uh, the the tribal vote in New Mexico is I actually have solutions uh, and my solution doesn't involve continuing to be totally dependent. On a federal government that, for you know, far, t- that sucks at keeping promises. I mean, that's one of the things that's amazing about this president. He made promises, and to everybody's surprise, he kept promises. Most people assume the government, you know, that, that politicians make promises and then break them. This president keeps promises. And one of the promises he made at, when I, I did a I did a White House briefing on this issue of double taxation, there was a there was a tribal energy summit at the White House. And several of the tribal leaders went up there, and they talked about how you know this double taxation uh, and the oppressive uh, federal regulatory framework was making it nearly impossible for tribes to exploit their own energy resources. In fact, there's a tribe in southern Colorado that actually found it was easier to get into the offshore oil drilling business than to, than to dig for oil in their own backyard because of uh, bureaucratic red tape and double taxation. And, you know, it's it, it, because the, the government is just so bad at so many things. Um, as a, and as I tell people, you know, the, the swamp is deep. The, uh, the, the, the the alligators bite. Fake news is really annoying. And the taxpayers are getting ripped off every single day. Having been inside the administration, having been a Fed, I can see where the fraud, waste, and abuse is. Uh, you know, so in addition to creating economic opportunity in the poorest areas uh, of our state and in our nation – I also see where you know on day one we can we can eliminate a massive amount of fraud, waste, and abuse. In fact, the um, my likely opponent is uh, Nancy Pelosi's number four, the the guy's his name is Ben Ray Lujan. He's the assistant speaker in the House, um, and uh, he's congressman from northern New Mexico. And one of his very first votes was a sort of an early Green New Deal type vote, where they decided that they were going to have one third of the federal workforce not show up to work every day. So that they didn't have to commute, you know, and then save on fossil fuel emissions and what have you.
1: Um,
2: but basically, what we discovered uh, was that people were gaming the system, and they were, um, you know, they would have these little devices on their mouse that would twitch every 15 minutes to make it look like they were logged in from home. Meantime, they were out hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um, you know, I, I you know, you, you wonder if they ran into Mark Sanford, uh, you know, except for he wasn't really on the Appalachian Trail; he was, you know, down in Argentina. But that's a different story. Um, but you know, we we found people gaming the system, cheating, defrauding the taxpayer. But you can't fire them because it's nearly impossible to fire a Fed. So by eliminating mandatory telework and allow and only allowing agencies to do telework if they actually have accountability and controls and management. I'll save the taxpayer a billion dollars a day in fraud, waste, and abuse uh, reductions. Um, and then if you, uh, if you implement the Merit Act, which allows, it allows us to implement the same kind of civil service reforms that we did in the VA so that you, know, you can actually fire a bad Fed. Now, I, and I don't want to say that all federal employees are bad. Um, I would say that about 25% of the federal workforce I would hire in the private sector in a heartbeat. You know, there's 25% of them that are true public servants that are really trying to do a good job. There's another 25% that, you know, they do their job, they're fine. But to recall the remaining 50% necrotic is an insult to zombies everywhere. And you know, and we 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 need to be able to have effective ways to manage the federal workforce and get rid of people who don't perform. Yeah,
3: no, no, I hear, I hear you. And you know, New New Mexico, with 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 what with what you're uh, going up against and the the stuff you see as the main problems. What 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 are the top three? I mean, what what, what do you think? What do you see as the most uh, harm? And and what would you what would be the first three things you do getting elected to
2: office? Well, uh, the, the jobs is the big issue. Number one, everybody needs a job. And my vision for New Mexico isn't hyper-partisan um, because, you know, the, again, it, whether you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian, should, even the token socialist needs a job. But imagine a New Mexico where we raise up our kids. We send them off to school, and it doesn't have to be college. You know, I, I'm a big fan of the skilled trades because every economy needs people who can build and fix and make and raise and grow things. But we send them off to school. And then they come back home. They come back home to the community they grew up in, and they get a good-paying job here. And they raise their families here. And we get to watch our grandbabies rodeo and do Little League on the weekends. That's a vision that I think everybody can get behind regardless of party. So the number one is job creation, and my proposal to eliminate uh, double taxation on job creators uh, in, in our poorest areas is a $2 billion stimulus that will actually spread throughout the state. It will actually – it will have benefit throughout the entire state, um, and so that, that, that's the number one job creation thing. There's also a whole bunch of things we need to do in terms of making New Mexico more business-friendly. Now, people say, well, gee, that, you know, isn't that mostly a state function? Well, sort of, except that two-thirds of New Mexico is federal land, so the oppressive federal regulatory scheme actually has a greater impact in New Mexico than you might think. So, and Forbes magazine lists New Mexico 50 out of 50 in terms of the worst state to do business. So there's a lot we can do to improve the business climate, and if the knuckleheads in Santa Fe won't fix it, there are certain things we can do at the federal level to at least make it such that those that are interacting with federal lands can have a better opportunity to engage in business. Um, So the number one issue is jobs. The the, the late-term abortion issue is huge. Uh, certainly I would support i would i would I would support uh, pain capable legislation. I would support the born alive uh, abortion survivors uh, Protection Act. Uh, you know those are things where you you have a large number of of people that may have a D after their name that do not support abortion up until the day of birth and certainly don't ab- uh, support infanticide for abortion survivors. Um, I, I'm a big supporter of of right to work. Um, and I believe that that is something where the, you know the, that the, there is a lot of companies that are that would relo- relocate to New Mexico, uh, but they bypass us. You know, but if we if we can fix the right to work issue at the federal level, then we don't, then we don't have to worry about it at the state level. And again, there, you know, the the whole the whole the whole right to work issue is a creation, is a creature of federal law. Um, and so we can fix that and and basically create a national right to work opportunity, and then and then the businesses will come to there, there will be more businesses relocating to New Mexico um uh, because you shouldn't have to you know j- you shouldn't have to be forced to join a union if you don't want to um to, just to have a job um and you shouldn't have to give up your paycheck you know, to somebody to you know, to an organization who uh, directly opposes your core beliefs um and unions ought to be you know I, I, again I'm not necessarily anti-union i think you know the constitution guarantees the rights of free association but I think that uh, I think the unions ought to have to compete for their membership, and actually, before should do a good job. And if they do that, then they have nothing to worry about. Um, I think obviously the, uh, the the Second Amendment is a fundamental right in our Constitution. I believe it shall not be infringed it means shall not be infringed. I don't think you need a Harvard law degree to figure that out. Uh, and so the um, you know the the, the notion that uh, somehow that that's that's less valuable of a fundamental right than all the others is just totally wrong. And so you know, I think we need to have strong Second Amendment protections. I think we need to, to uh, recognize that, uh, that that the right to bear arms is something the founding fathers were had just finished dealing with a, a tyrannical government. You know they were very clear that uh, you know the, 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 the right to bear arms was not just for hunting. You know that there you know that theres there, there is a god-given right of self-defense the Justice Scalia referred to that as a pre-political right and the Second Amendment doesn't say you know it doesn't give us a right to have 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 arms it's it prevents the government from infringing on our natural God-given rights to defend ourselves and you know we you know we, we need somebody you know, we need, New Mexico needs somebody in our, in our in our delegation who actually understands that and unfortunately you know of the five federal officials, from New Mexico, you know, they're all pretty much in the, in that gun confiscation mode.
3: Yeah. No, well said, very well said, very well said. Well,
2: and um, now, now we haven't talked about the border at all yet. And obviously the border is a huge issue. Um, you know, I, I actually was part of the, uh, the, the catalyzing process to get the original wall built, um, that, uh, was built down here in Sunland park by the, we build the wall folks, um, I was actually uh, – uh, when the president came down to El Paso, I had an interview after that with one of the, uh, the, one of the local Fox affiliates where I showed them a totally unprotected section of border where there was no wall, there was no fence. There wasn't even a pile of rocks, um, and every day Brazilians would fly into Ciudad Juarez and take an Uber over to this place called Monument One and literally just walk across with a child in one hand and carry on luggage in the other, and if they forgot a child, the cartel would rent them a child, um, and they would claim asylum from Brazil. And uh, it was insane, and, and it was happening every single day. And so literally on cue when we're on camera, uh, a group of Brazilians shows up, and the camera crew follows them, and, and we encounter the landowner. And he says on camera that if, you know, if they would build me a wall, I'll give them the land for free. And that's how the We Build a Wall folks became aware of the fact that there was a private land opportunity in New Mexico right where Texas, New Mexico, and Old Mexico meet where they could build a wall that would res- have a significant impact in human smuggling and drug trafficking. And sure enough, you know, those, those those folks at We Build the Wall did a phenomenal job. Uh, they put it up in record time at a place where the Army Corps of Engineers said it couldn't be built, and sure enough, they built it. And it has totally changed the dynamics uh, for the cartel. I mean, the cartel is really upset um, because all of a sudden their primary drug smuggling and human smuggling route has been shut down. Uh, and by the way, I'm not anti-immigrant at all. Uh, my wife is a legal immigrant who followed the rules. Um, she, her family has a history of fleeing tyranny and socialism. Um, her father's side fled, uh, Italy or fled Mussolini in Italy. The mom's side fled, uh, Franco in Spain. They all ended up in Argentina where they unfortunately encountered more statism and more tyranny. So the mom fled to, uh, to Venezuela where she ran into Hugo Chavez. So that didn't work. So about 25 years ago, my wife, uh, she, she fled to Mexico. Uh, it took her about a year to save up enough money to come to the U S legally. Uh, She got her work permit. She learned English by listening to country music while cleaning other people's houses. took her about 14 years to become a U.S. citizen, and now she is one of the very top medical estheticians in the entire United States. She is the quintessential American immigrant success story, and she's actually a tougher border hawk than I am, and I'm pretty tough. I love
3: it. I love it. I love it. Um, Let's go to my panel. I'm sure my panel has some thoughts. Uh, Sam, we'll start with you Go ahead
0: Well, too bad I'm not in New Mexico Because he would have my vote Uh, That's what we need We need politicians That will not only Stand up for the people And cut taxes But people haven't forgot that this country Was built on a Judeo-Christian Foundation And that they can see That the destruction of the unborn is our destruction. If we kill ourselves, who is left? we got so many Democrats that have went completely blind, these these, these people in the leadership, and and too many robotic followers that have been indoctrinated with the hate Trump mantra since 2016. that They can't see that these people are taking us straight over the cliff. I mean, over the cliff into oblivion. And... This leftist mentality that has just taken over the school system, and this is the problem that bothers me the most, is that they know that folks like you and I, us older folks, uh, they'll be gone. And like Hitler, they're going after the children. They're starting in kindergarten. And if they can indoctrinate the children unfettered and wait us out, then they will have what they want. We need politicians that will stand strong, that will stand strong in the faith. That's why I was talking about Drew Brees earlier, you know, although I don't personally give celebrities that much credence in my own mind, but unfortunately a lot of people look at these folks. And when they cow down, when they claim they're Christians and cow down to uh, society's um, you know, bad culture change, then that weakens everybody. We need folks that will stand strong in the midst of the storm, that will not fold, that when they say they're Christians and they believe in Jesus Christ, they will not waver because the storm is going to come. It says that we're going to be persecuted. That goes with the job. But this society right now is so turned upside down. It's so ungodly. I mean, imagine we're talking about abortion up until the point of birth uh, in New York well, City. And,
2: and but, in New Mexico, it's even afterwards.
0: Wow! Oh, we're talking—we're talking Just straight out infanticide here.
2: Absolutely, I mean, no—that—that that is the official University of New Mexico hospital policy. That if a baby survives an attempted abortion, it is the official hospital policy to toss that baby in the sink and watch it die.
0: I mean, we might as well be talking about happens. Rome. You know, ancient Rome and ancient Greece when they threw out the girls, they threw out people with inform, uh, deformities, and we're supposed to be the civilized. Uh, society here I mean in, in New York City the the record show 2017 that's the latest information uh, I believe I had so that was the first year in about five or six years that there were more black births than abortions in New York City and you would think well, that, and,
2: and it's interesting it's interesting you mentioned that because Bernie Sanders solution to global warming is to fund abortions of babies of color. <laughs> yeah, he surprise. Wants to increase the abortions uh, of of, of uh, populations of color around the world. So he just wants to abort more black and brown babies as a solution to global warming.
0: I mean, we have what uh the black women make up like 6% of the pop 6.5% of the population in the United States and make up to about 36% of the abortions and of course and and actually right now Africa is the most evangelically strong uh continent uh, those folks are uh, – the ones that are truly Christians are really standing for the faith, so yeah, let's kill off some of them folks too. I mean it, it's – we can use Africans well, to evangelize Americans. It's crazy.
2: Well, and most people don't know the history of Planned Parenthood, but Margaret Sanger, who was the, the founder of Planned Parenthood, was a racist eugenics monster. Oh, she said um, that, I mean basically they, you know, that, was, mean, that was her whole thing was basically trying to keep black black and brown and native people from from reproducing
0: she wanted to get rid of folks that she said didn't lo- deserve to live and what a lot of people don't really understand also is the fact that hitler got a lot of his information and insight from the american eugenics uh society from those things that margaret Sainer Ab- and stoddard and all those folks uh created <laughs> it's, yep. it's sad.
2: absolutely yeah. and and they, and they and they and they were just as hostile towards black folks as they were towards american indians in fact there's a tribe up in uh, up in Vermont that fundamentally got, they got functionally exterminated through through those eugenicists. They, they're called the Abenakis, um, and wow. and the Mar- Margaret Sanger and her, and her cabal pretty much you know, through forced sterilizations uh, pretty much had that tribe almost die out entirely.
0: Jeez. you know, if, if people in this country who at least who claim to be Christians would really pay attention to what's going on. I just believe what the Bible said. We can stop all this madness.
2: Right. So I I, I tried to remember. I can't remember. Whether it was Ben Shapiro or Mark Levin had a really good uh, point uh, the other day? Is that the you know that uh, you know the guns don't kill guns don't kill people. That's what Planned Parenthood does.
10: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So true. Absolutely. And they're not getting mine. I'm keeping mine.
2: <laughs> yes. Well, you know, as somebody who has purchased, you know, I mean, my my gunsmith, you know, sold me his uh, his uh, uh, Smith and Wesson 357 Model 66 in a private gun sale. You know, it it just happened. You know, he's my gunsmith. He's my buddy. You know, you know, we we just did a private sale. Did you know? I'm sure I passed a federal background check. I have a top. You know, I I have a I have a secret security clearance. Um, you know, there's no doubt that I would have passed a background check. We just didn't have to do that. And yet now, you know, now, uh, you know, they're they're trying to make that kind of transfer illegal.
0: Well, I mean, this this whole situation of, of trying to take away Americans' gun is ridiculous. Just like you said, Second Amendment wasn't made uh, for hunting. It was made because of the tyranny of the, tyranny of the British uh, government. That's why we ran away from them. And they wanted to make sure that if our government went upside down, the people would have recourse. And and black people. You know, it's amazing. to I me. Mean, we got so many black people, particularly those that believe that the police are a problem. I mean, many Democratic black people, they say they believe that the police are the problem, but then they vote for folks who want to confiscate their guns. So my question is, mm-hmm. if something goes wrong, who are they going to call? Ghostbusters? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I yeah. uh, was give up your guns.
2: Yeah.
3: I do got to go to uh, commercial here in about 40 seconds, but I'll let you answer, uh, Gavin. Go ahead.
2: Oh no no it, it, it's absolutely true and and this is something where you know, the the one of the things that, that is t- so infuriating the left is watching how this president's popularity is increasing in minority communities. Our black unemployment is the lowest it's ever been. Hispanic unemployment is the lowest it's ever been. Uh, right. un- unemployment among women is the lowest it's ever been. You, you know, the, the 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 power bases that the Democrats have just been able to assume and beta- and take for granted. Are no longer are, are no longer there. So that's part of the other reason why this president's going to do so well in 2020, is because he goes to play, he, He's able to succeed in places where the Democrats just assume that they all, you know, that they own the vote. And you know right. what's happening is, you know, and I, you know, a, a good big shout out to you know folks like Candace Owens who are yeah. going out there and and who are who are making the case that it is inherently racist to assume that black people only think one way.
3: Very true, very true. We do got to go to a commercial, but, uh, and I, I would love to get my panel, to get all my panel thoughts, but I, unfortunately I do got to let you go because we do got to come back and do a, a last segment before the show's over. But can you please tell everybody where they can find you, connect with you, and I'll definitely have you back on soon.
2: Oh, absolutely. So it's, uh, it's, uh, the website is GavinClarkson.com. That's gavinclarkso com. And then the the uh, the you can follow me on Twitter at, at Dr. Gavin Clarkson, uh, and then we also have a, a campaign page on uh, on Facebook, which is Gavin Clarkson for Senate, which is at Gavin4NM. Um, and but again, the best thing to do is have everybody go to GavinClarkson.com, uh, hit the donate button. You know we are one of people's favorite buttons. We have a seventeen dollar and seventy six cent Liberty button. Uh, you know, people can go hit that button. It'll make a big difference because uh, this is going to be an expensive Senate race. It's going to take about $10 million uh, by the time we get to November. So, I, you know, I need as much help as I can get from all over the country.
3: Sounds good, Gavin. Well, we appreciate you coming on, and we'll have you back
2: soon, my friend. Thank you. All right. Looking forward to it.
3: All righty. Have a good night, my friend. We'll be right back, everybody.
2: All right. Thanks so much.
0: Absolutely.
6: Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, Skyrace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at Skyrace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at Skyraysecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes, or call 240-888-0682.
4: Hello everybody, this is Rory
3: Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else, and all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show.
9: I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production.
3: And we are back, the Rory Shodder Show. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Last segment I want to get to uh, before we end the show, we have about 15, 20 minutes left. Tomorrow is obviously a very important day. Uh, uh, A day that uh, we will never forget, that we will forever have in our hearts. Tomorrow marks 18 years since 9-11. You know, it's 3,000 people lost their lives. All these innocent people that were just going to work one day and, you know, kiss their families goodbye and treated it like it was another day and they never expected something like this would occur just goes to show in life that any moment could really be your last i mean we, we, we can't predict the future we, we we don't know what you know we don't we don't we don't have the answers and it's just it's so sad and, and it destroys me inside what these people had to go through nobody nobody i would I wouldn't wish anything like this on my worst enemy. I mean, this is – and every year when it gets to this point, I get really emotional. It's a hard time because, you know, a lot of me, actually most of me, probably like 95% of me, thinks 9-11 was an inside job. It was a total setup. So many red flags, so many, you know, things that – don't add up. You know we 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 see we see the different facts that came out afterwards. The the owner of the building taking out a huge insurance policy for terror for that covers terrorism. I think it was like a, a couple weeks before,
1: like a week before the
3: tower hit, and then all the money that was taken out of the building, all of. You know, and, and all the money. I mean, there was gold too at the bottom of the World Trade Center that was taken out I think a couple days before. And don't forget, the day before the towers hit, Donald. And this, this is very odd. And everybody should go back and look at this. Donald Rumsfeld. I'm sure everybody remembers who that is. He worked for George W. Bush. He came out and made a, a statement saying that and this was the day before 9/11. That money was missing. I believe I, – I, where was it from? Was it from – there was money missing, in a, and don't quote me on it. Hold on. I want to make sure that it was from the Pentagon because I'm pretty sure it was. And hold on a second. Um, let me make sure that's right. Hold on. Uh, hold on a minute. Let's see. Yes, I wanted to clarify. Yes, it was missing money from the Pentagon. This was a day before the towers hit, and everybody was getting on Rumsfeld because this was, there was something so out of the ordinary here. And what what happened the next day? The towers hit, and nobody ever asked Rumsfeld again about that about the money from the Pentagon that went missing. Total total distraction. And we look at how all these experts have came forward and said there's no way these buildings could have fell without um, whatever you could, without bombs being in the bottom of the buildings, causing it to, uh, with this whole demolition process. Because a, a plane hitting it, it's not, the way they're built, they're not supposed to fall, especially that easy. I mean, it was, if you look at the angle, if you look at everything, there's so many things that don't add up. And also take into mind, the other tower, I believe it was Tower, was it Tower Seven? I believe it was Tower Seven. That thing just fell, without any, anything, just randomly. After, after 9/11, after the nine, after after the two buildings, after the two big buildings fell, then Tower Seven fell. And then, and then we attack the people that weren't even responsible. you know Saudi Arabia should have been one of the main people attacked in this situation but they weren't you know this is there is so many unanswered questions and you have our government who has lied to us repeatedly and you have all these issues that we had with the middle east even in a lot of ways we were in debt to the middle east in certain aspects on on certain things if you go back and look at some of the information like there there is so many things, and then the then hiding all the documents from the victims and the families and and not giving out certain information of, of of you know what what the owner was doing with the building prior to the attack You know and i can't you know i i I can't uh let this go. And I don't think anybody else can either. This is one of those situations that is more unanswered questions, just like the Vegas shooting. Just like the, all these different scenarios where we don't get the full facts. We get lies. Same sort of thing with Epstein story. I mean, come on. It's so odd. And the way you know, just the way they were acting too. I mean, you know, people, you know, like Bush and, and other people. You know, and I, you know, I'm a Republican. I've been a Republican my entire life, and I tell everybody that I was not a big Bush man. I think he made a lot of mistakes, and I don't think he's the most honest guy in the world. I think there's a lot of corruption there. Was he better than Obama? Of course. But you know, it's. I, I, I really – it's something to really be concerned about. It really is. And we, we still don't have all the answers. Uh,
7: Franklin, go ahead. What are your thoughts? Well, on the uh, – tomorrow, of course, is the 18th anniversary of 9-11. And so it's a time to really uh, – being, especially being from New Yorker, it's a time to uh, – it's a sobering day. It's a day to think back on all of the great men and women who do so much for our country. And so just uh, thank you to all of your listeners who may be first responders, police officers, uh, fire uh, firemen. Uh, people who are EMT workers, even people like your previous guest. I heard my friend Mike Peters on earlier, who does such tremendous work for our our men and women in uniform, our veterans. Uh, Just a shout-out to him. Thank you for all that you do. And I just want to thank any of your listeners uh, for all the support, especially people all over the country who came into New York uh, that day and in the aftermath in order to help uh, people who were victims, uh, help with the rebuilding, uh, firemen, uh, police officers who went uh, into a burning building, uh, at the time when other people were trying to escape. And so it's it's a time to remember uh, the greatness and the resiliency of the American spirit. And uh, once again, I just want to thank you, Rory, for having me on tonight. Uh, everyone can uh, reach out and uh, follow me at uh, SagerForAmerica.org. Thanks a lot. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Franklin. Uh,
3: Dr. Hennig, go ahead. I'm sure you have some thoughts about 9-11 and, you know, um, how it all went down
4: absolutely you know what we mourn number one for our people still you know that we're lost. of course absolutely um and and as americans you know what we push through everything but one thing we don't do is we don't forget you know when you start forgetting things like this you know you pay a toll down the road for it um and, and you know i would agree with you man it looked like to me it was like an inside job and that's something we've got to guard ourselves against ever from happening you know and that you know and right now we look at the you know the swamp is filled with characters that, that uh, we need to just get out of there and protect our country from anything like that in the future happening and just uh, you know, make sure we can stay strong as Americans and stay free as Americans. Um, and and you know, I just got, like I said, like we're going to remember them tomorrow. We're going to remember that day. And it, it plays over and over in people's minds. And you know, we got to make sure our kids don't forget that either, that they understand what happened and what you know, really happened in New York that day. Uh, you know, and I guess like for people that want to reach out to me, um, you can actually find me on Twitter, uh, DRD Hennin. Um, You can find me on, on Facebook. Just look up Dwayne Hennen, D-U-A-N-E-H-E-N-N-E-N. Um, my website is Hennen with the number four, Ohio2020.com. Anyone that wants to donate to my campaign running in uh, District 13 for U.S. Congress against, uh, you know, that dreaded Tim Ryan, um, you can actually donate right there on my website
3: absolutely my friend always a pleasure having me here all right thank you absolutely uh sam go ahead
0: you know 18 years ago i woke up thought i was watching a movie and then i me saw too. that second- i
3: remember exactly where i was i was i was in fourth grade you know it, it was something that i'll never forget i mean it's insane go ahead though
0: sorry Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I woke up getting ready to go to work, and I thought it was a movie on. I said, oh, what movie is this? And then I saw the second plane, and I realized it wasn't a movie. And uh, I've never been able to get used to the fact that some people had to decide will they burn or will they jump out of the window. And then the fact that those folks in that airplane and flight, I think it was 93 or whatever, when they decided to take their destiny in in their own hands, Uh, we can't, you know, We can't take this life for granted. We can't take our country for granted. Um, after the stuff that I've seen the last couple of years, uh, we can't take any politician for granted. We must all be vigilant. vigilant excuse me, vigilant. And we must all stand and, and prepare, and keep our kids mindful, keep ourselves mindful. And if we see anything shaky, uh, we need to stand up and talk against so it. We need to take a stand. Because many of those folks, like the folks on that flight, they took a stand. And we owe it to them, and we owe it to everybody else to take a stand, and we also need to continue to look after every last one of those responders that have suffered uh, health problems for going into those buildings. Yeah, yeah,
3: no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's something that we'll never forget. Oh. And uh yeah, and by it'll always way, be a yeah, part of the,
0: yeah, and you can reach me at Samuel Tally on Facebook or Samuel tallly on twitter on youtube
3: thank you, thank you my friend it's it's always always great having you here uh we will we will talk to you uh soon, thank you,
8: thank you.
3: It's, uh, it's been an incredible show tonight, and like I always do, I want to thank my audience, my guests, my co-hosts and sponsors. You are all incredible. Uh, just before we go, I just want to uh, mention uh, a few headlines that I didn't get to. Um, a couple big things. You know, this, this is really uh, upsetting. The 9-11, they, they did a 9-11 Senate hearing. Uh, the other day, and there was no mention of radical Islam. All they did was talk about how much of a threat global warming is. I mean, th- this is this is what we're dealing with. Our elected officials, their priorities are in the wrong place. At least most of them, not all of them, but most of them. I mean, we, you know, this is scary. This is scary stuff. Um, the Hong Kong protests have gotten so insane. And I, I couldn't even believe this headline when I read it today, but the Hong Kong protests have gotten so insane that young girls are offering comfort sex to protesters this is this is what it's come to in these countries these protesters are now getting comfort comfort sex from from little from little from little girls this is insane this is insanity and i don't know i don't know the age of the girls it was just a report out today on brivart and it's mind blowing that this is—I mean, obviously it's a foreign country. I get that, but the fact that this is condoned and enabled, you know, it's still—it's just sick, sick stuff, really is. And this, this is what this is what these societies have come to. And this is this is insane. It's insanity. Um, D, you know, DHS, Department of Homeland Security, they really need to toughen up. They really need to stop the crap. You know, it was just out a report today that they're still freeing about 130 illegal aliens every day into the U.S. You know, yes, they've gotten control over most of them, but they're still releasing 130 every day. So, I mean, that's still a lot, a lot of illegals. I know they've toughened up and they've they've gotten control of most of it, but, I mean, they, they, they need to do it all. You guys need to... To control it all, these people do not belong in our society because we don't know where they're coming from. You know, and it's such a slap in the face to all the people that do it the right way and properly. It truly is. Um, Just another example of of how uh, the liberal media works. This is very sick. Um, Judge Janine had her book at number one at New York Times bestselling author. She was way ahead of Michelle Obama, apparently. But what the New York Times did is they, they boosted Michelle Obama's book to make it look like Michelle Obama had more than Janine Pirro. But the New York Times was caught in a big lie, and they were trying to cover for Michelle and trying to give her more fake uh, press, and, but it totally backfired. But this is how dishonest the media is. Judge Janine had far more uh, sellers and people uh, reading her book, uh, but they can't handle that. They can't handle a, a strong conservative woman winning. They can't. It drives them nuts. It really does. Um, more, more news. I, sorry, guys. I'm on a timer. We have a few minutes left, and I'm just I'm putting everything out there. Uh, California judge has put a national block on Trump's asylum reform. Another big problem. These judges are off the wall. They are insane. They are crazy. They were appointed by radical Democrats, and Trump is putting a stop to it. Don't forget, when Trump came into office, he had over 100 vacancy judge, judge spots that Obama didn't fill. So slowly but surely, we're fixing this problem so we don't have corrupt judges blocking stuff that helps our safety. Another headline, NRA is suing San Francisco following that BS. Uh, San Francisco labeling them a domestic terrorist organization, so I'm glad the NRA is firing back. Uh, Just released today, manufacturing jobs have hit a record high, uh, the highest ever. We have the best economy in the world. I mean, it's no doubt. This is going to shock everybody, what I'm about to say. George Soros took out, wrote an op-ed in Wall Street Journal this past weekend praising President Trump on the China policy. Can you believe that, guys? When I read the headline, I thought hell froze over. But no. Soros wrote a, an article praising Trump and telling him to keep keep with it on China and, and saying he's doing a good job with China. <laughs> wow. I mean, what the hell? And not only did he say it, he took out a whole op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Pretty interesting. Um. This is really this is really scary. What I'm about to say, but apparently there is a bunch of left, and this was out today, a bunch of leftist donor organizations that are seek that are, are secretly uh, giving all this money in order to push for government control of the internet. Obviously, we know this has been going on for a while, but it's coming to light more and more. This was out in the paper today. Uh, a foreign entity. All these uh, left wing politicians are using. Uh, to, yeah, I mean, to to put it out there to try to control the Internet. It's crazy. This is insane. We're living in a scary time. And this tech stuff, obviously, we had uh, Todd on last night. He is the owner of Feed Me app, which is the best conservative social media app on the market. And he's also uh, heavily involved with Trump's administration. And he's, you know, this is something he's taking action on, you know, get, getting rid of the tech bias. And we will definitely talk more about this. I don't have time to get all into it right now, but we will uh, probably Thursday.
6: And the last headline I do
3: want to mention, the El Paso shooting survivors are suing Walmart over lack of armed guards. Think about that. You have left-wing politicians that want to take our guns away and leave us defenseless, but you have real Americans suing these establishments for not having armed guards. Because that, thats really what should happen. You want to stop these shooters? You'll have armed guards. You'll have protection in all these places. You really will, especially if you want to take away open carry. Very simple. you we, we can't—we can't allow ourselves to—to uh, to be in harm's way. That's for sure. Everybody, we are out of time. Um, I love you all. Thank you. Um, saying a big prayer for all the 9/11 victims tomorrow god is with you i'm with you um and, and my my deepest deepest prayers to all the parents fam- the friends and, and victims uh have a great night everybody we will see you on thursday i'm rory sodder mega 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 god bless everybody much love cheers
9: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win